we read together to focus on where Jesus is leading. Take a moment to speak it out loud over your life, your family, and our world. Now, let's read together. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Faith Church. Really glad you are with us online and here in the room. And if I haven't had a chance to meet you personally yet, we'd love to say hello right after the service there in our lobby. Uh, we've been in a collection of sermons this uh, last few weeks entitled The Practice of Hospitality. Somebody say practice. practice. Somebody else say hospitality. Here's kind of what we've been looking at. We've been looking at the Ten Commandments. And we've been looking at the Ten Commandments as kind of a guideline or rules for great relationships. How many of you know God wants us to have good relationships? And one of the ways we can be hospitable to other people, one of the ways we can love our neighbor as we love ourselves, is to understand the importance and the practicals on how to have healthy relationships. I really do believe that your relationship with God is the training ground for relationships with people. The health of your relationship with God impacts the health of your relationship with individuals. The lack of vibrance in your relationship with God indicates often a lack of vibrance in health in relationship with other people. And so the Ten Commandments kind of has this twofold, multiple process where we learn how to like relate with God and how to relate with one another and get along and how we live in this way. And so that's kind of what we've been unpacking and looking at and, and learning. And, and uh, we want to do relationships well. We, this is one of the reasons why we encourage you to get in a connect group. And if you haven't found a connect group, Quit being an idiot and get in a connect group. I, I don't know how else to maybe say that. I, I, they'll, they'll edit that out next service for, for, for online. It'll be fine. Deuteronomy chapter 5. I, I want to look at a, one of the commands that God gave his people that impact how we relate to other people and we're going to look at it fresh this morning and come at it from an angle that you probably have maybe not yet uh, considered. Deuteronomy chapter 5 is where we see the, uh, a time where the Ten Commandments are listed. But in Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 11 is the command I want to look at today. It says this, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord, your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. The ESV says it like this. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. These are some commands, and this particular command is a boundary that God has set up for us on how to relate well to him and in essence relate well to others. See, when we love God well, 
we understand that God loves us well. And when we know that we've been loved well, we are in great position to love others well. And it all relates and connects. I got a question, though, for you. Did you have a nickname growing up? If you got a nickname, hands up all over the place, online, throw an emoji in there. You got a nickname? Keep your hand up if you had more than one nickname. Come on, more than one nickname. These are my people. I had so many nicknames. Some are appropriate and some uh, are not worth repeating. Uh, but we all have these, these nicknames. And names are important. And God is setting up an importance and letting us know that names are important. And uh, I have come to find that uh, one of the great joys and great challenges in my life has been selecting a name for my kids. Parents, you can't, maybe you can relate. There's a lot of joy, like, oh my gosh, I love this name, and I love how this goes together, and this is fun, and oh, what does this mean, and let's look at this, and... And, and, and parents today are like, they just all want to be different. So everybody's spelling names differently, but it's said the same. And everybody's trying to get creative and one-up one another on how a name is and what it, how it's pronounced. They're all, everybody's trying to be fun and cute. And, and I loved getting to pick out my kid's name. And I hated picking out my kid's name. You know, you know why? Because every name you have to do like the, the name rhyme game, Right? Anna, banana, bovana, right? Like you just got to like rhyme it out a little bit to make sure your kids are going to have healthy self-esteem as they go through school. Uh, the other thing that I absolutely hated, I agonized over this, um, when it came to selecting names for my kids because for many, many years I worked uh, firsthand with children in children's ministry and in after school care. And all of my teacher friends, you can relate to this. There are some names you refuse to name your kids, right? Like automatically, like, no, 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 I know a kid named that. Hey, no way I'm naming my kid. Uh-uh. Like I knew a girl named that one time and I didn't know my daughters will not act like that or be named nothing like, you know what I'm saying? And as we're walking into this understanding of the importance of God's name and our names, I thought it would be pastorally helpful if I gave you a list of some names I would highly recommend not using. I know we're coming out of like COVID baby boom, you know what I'm saying? Like everybody was stuck in quarantine and babies are booming at the moment. So I thought I'd just be helpful in giving some names that I would maybe reconsider using. Names like... Cecilia. Although it sounds really pretty, it means blind. Claudia means lame or disabled. Emily, it's Latin, which comes from the word rival. If you want a strong-willed, argumentative, always against you child, perhaps Emily is your, your name. But maybe not. Here's one. Lilith. So close to that name Lily, right? You would think it'd be beautiful and wonderful. Lilith. Turns out this is a Hebrew name that means night monster and ghost. Just. Here's one that I was super surprised by. Mary. Everybody's like, oh, Mary, the mother of Jesus. This has to be good. It means rebellion and bitter. I don't know. Maybe I'll reconsider that one. Here, here's another one. Abaddon. A-B-A-D-D-O-N. It means angel. 
of death. <laughs> Might reconsider that one. Alistair, it's ancient Greek for tormentor and persecutor. Uh, Brennan means sorrow and sadness. Calvin means bald. I'm not sure I would tempt fate with that one. And then the name Cameron. <laughs> this one made me laugh, and it, I still see it. it makes, I, love Cam, I know some good Camerons. But the name Cameron means crooked nose. <laughs> oh, I just don't know that I could do that one anymore. Crooked nose. Like, once you know the meaning, sometimes you're like, oh, yeah, no, that's probably, we're going to the court right now and changing some names. I think we're going to figure this out. Here's the reality. There is something associated with names, isn't there? And as we read this command, this boundary that God gives to his people, and he says, don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And if anyone takes the name of the Lord in vain, God will not hold them guiltless. In other words, he will hold them guilty. Why in the world would this be so important to God? I mean, is it really that big of a deal? What's in a name anyways? I offer two thoughts this morning to help us as we study this out. Number one, here's why I think it's important to God and to us, is that the name carries the identity. The name carries an identity. He is the name of the Lord your God. Part of the identity is embedded into the understanding that it is the children of God. That there's an embedded understanding that, that this is your God. He, he's yours. Like, like you're following him. He's your God. And if he's your God, then there ought to be some understanding of respect for him. Jesus taught his disciples to pray, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy be your name. Set apart, different, other than, special, not commonplace is your name. His name is special. It is to be revered. It is not just some commonplace. He is the Lord God Almighty. He is not your homeboy. What I do love is that God gives us access. We gain access to God directly, correctly. Like we get an intimate connection with God because of Jesus. That is true. That is wonderful. He is the friend that sticks closer than the brother. But let's not get so um, jovial and so commonplace with God in our relational component that we miss the splendor and the majesty and the power and the awe that his name is deserved. Let's not treat it like just some other name. It is a special name. Friends, we cannot redefine, reinvent, or reduce God to our terms. You don't get God on your terms. God gets you on his terms. And the sooner we learn that, the richer our relationship will be. 
So many of us today want God on our terms. We want God to fit into our identity. We want God to be shaped into our own image. But that's not how it works, friends. God is other than. He's bigger than. He is almighty. He is rich in splendor. He is amazing, the almighty creator. Before there ever was a world, there was a God. And when the world ends and heaven shows up, there will still be a God. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the everlasting Father. He is God Almighty. And we don't get to define Him and take Him on our terms. No, our life submits to Him as Lord. Not as another option. Not as another way. There is no other name under which men can be saved other than the name of Jesus. Philippians says it's at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, and even the stuff under the earth. Every knee bows. Everyone does. Because at the mention of that name, Jesus. Jesus. Oh, there's something about that name. Master and Savior is Jesus. Let all heaven and all earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away. Something, oh, there's something about that name, Jesus. For those of you under a certain age, you're probably thinking your pastor knows how to spit out some pretty poetic bars. For those of you over a certain age, you know I just simply sang and stated words to a song that's already been written. This is the beauty of having a generational church, amen? The name of God is his identity. It was meant to reveal his identity, and sometimes God can't be defined. Let me rephrase that. It's often difficult to define God. And it was difficult for God to show up and define himself to a people who were trying to get to know him. And so God would use various names throughout scripture to reveal various aspects and components of his identity, of who he was. One time he showed up to Moses and was like, yo, I am. Yeah, yeah, you are what? No, I am. I am what? No, I am that I am, right? Like it's like, okay. Like other times he, he showed up in a different way and, and he got a new name. Probably sometime next year I will walk us through and we'll do a full study through scripture as to all of the different names of God because you need to know this God so he can be your Lord and your God, you need to know him. Sometimes we settle for just knowing a name but we never know the story behind the name. Sometimes in a small town, we're familiar with faces, but we don't actually know a name and a story. And if we're going to be the people of God, I think there's something important about not just knowing a face, but knowing someone's name and knowing their story. Who are they? What, what makes them who they are? Getting to know their stories. And, and God couldn't be defined. And so all through scripture, God would give his people small glimpses of his identity while giving them a new name by which to call him. 
like, uh, like you have proper names used through Scripture. Proper names like El, Yahweh, Adonai, Theos, Kurios, God. You have personal names like Father, Abba, Son, Jesus, Holy Spirit. You have title names like Creator, Messiah, Christ, Paraclete, Comforter. You have essential names like Light and Love and Spirit. And then you have descriptive names like Rock, Baal, Master, Rabboni, Shepherd, Redeemer. And then you have attributes, names of virtues or characteristics describing the triune God. His name, his names reveal his identity. So when we don't use his name correctly, we are misusing and misspeaking about his identity. When I was growing up, um, I thought it was fun and cool to be called Matt. My name is Matthew. I have a middle name, but I won't tell you that. So for now, Matthew will do. Matthew was, is my name, and uh, all through school, I just wanted to be called Matt because it was shorter, it was simple, and I thought more cool. And my dad, however, decided that Matt was not my name because he was the one who named me as I entered into the world. And he decided that my name was Matthew. Matthew has meaning. The name Matt actually has no meaning to it. But Matthew has a meaning. And so people would call the house and be like, hey, can I talk to Matt? And my dad would be like, no, who's that? <laughs> Sounds like a fun house to grow up in, doesn't it? It didn't mind me when it was my guy friends. Where's the girls calling? I was like, Dad! Like, I mean, one time my dad corrected my teachers. Like, no, 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 his name is not Matt. His name is Matthew. Matt has no meaning. Matthew has a meaning. It means gift of God and God given. This is my son. And I absolutely hated it. I was like, no, no, I'm going to be called Matt. I'm going to be called Matt. I'm going to be called Matt. And then once I graduated high school, God got a hold of my heart in a new way. And I recognized the rebellion and the hardness of my heart towards that very identity and name. And something happened. And from that day on, from post high school on, if people ask me my preference, which I do have, my preference is Matthew, not Matt. Why? Because God had done something so much in my heart, he reshaped an identity of who I was and a name change back to the original identity that God created me and my parents gave me seemed appropriate and I hold on to it very much so. Why? Because a name reveals an identity. God's names reveal his identity. Number two, names reveal a reputation. Names come with a reputation. When people say things like, my word is my bond, what they're really saying is my name, my character, my reputation is what's on the line. And oftentimes when it comes to the names of God, we have a tendency to take his name. We have a, we have a, a tendency to use it in vain. And we have a tendency to defame his name. And it's not just his name that is the issue, it's the reputation that he's known for that is connected to his name. Uh, when uh, he writes here in Deuteronomy 5 and he says, you shall not take 
the name of the Lord your God in vain. Don't take the name. Don't take the name. When my wife and I made a covenant together, we stood before the world pledging love and fidelity till death do us part. She took my name. She took all that I had. All that I have was now hers. What's mine was now hers, and what's hers now was, no, it was still mine. No, 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 no. We ain't playing that it's all hers. No, no, no. This is a two-way street, baby. But she took my name. She took my reputation. She took, don't miss this, my story. She, she now was grafted into my story. Our stories, though separate, now were becoming one. There was, a, there was a, a, a unification that was taking place because she took my name. I wonder how many people in this room and watching online have taken the name Christian and taken the name child of God, but yet you don't fully know the story of your God. I love when people take a long time in making a decision to go public with their faith and taking some time before they sign up for water baptism and, and really examine what it means to follow Jesus. And they, they get critical questions out of their way. This is why we do a class like Alpha. Because it gives you an opportunity to hear the story of God, of Jesus, of the Holy Spirit, of the Bible and why we trust it. It gives you a foundation and an introduction to the story while at the same time answering critical questions that many of us have from a skeptical perspective. If you've never went through or gone through anything like that, you need to sign up today for Alpha. You need to join that connect group, jump in, and begin learning the story of this God that we profess and we worship. You need to jump in and do it. It's a part of our story. Our story reminds us of our significance and our calling. This last week, and my wife and I had the joy of traveling to Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, where we did ministry in, on the East Coast there in the Charlotte area for 13 years. Um, and one of, the, one of the two churches we served at was a church called Eastside Church Charlotte. And Eastside Church was where we first started in ministry uh, 18 plus years ago now. We started in ministry there. They gave us our first job, and it was at that time about a two-year-old church plant. Just getting started, there were about 70 people in the church when we started attending and serving in that church. And we just got to go back last weekend and celebrate 20 years of ministry of that church. It was awesome and wonderful. And at the same time, we got to celebrate a grand opening of a newly renovated space and sanctuary. It was incredible. I haven't cried that much in church in so long, y'all. It was a great weekend celebrating. And they asked me to share for just a few minutes. So they wanted me to share on some of the past history because I was there we were there pretty, pretty early on in the beginning. And I got to share with them the story of Eastside a little bit. And one of the things I reminded them, I reminded them about our reputation as a church, what we were known for. Certain things that are woven in the fabric of that family of God, of that local expression of church. We, I reminded them of where we came from and where we started because it helps us remember the significance of our calling for the future. 
And when you know the story of God and you know the, 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 the story of his scripture and you know his name and you understand that his name carries a reputation, you begin to understand that Eastside Church wasn't just a, a fancy name, but it came with it a purpose and a calling. We have a similar story, Faith Church. We have our own story as a people. We have a story as what's behind the name. We have a story as it relates to where we're going. What is the significance of our calling? You're like, oh, pastor, would you tell us more about it? I did. It's a, it's a little thing called growth track. If you've not taken growth track, stop being a, what, what was the word I used earlier about connect groups? Uh, yeah. And take growth track and get to know the story of the house and the family. Why? Because you're a part of this house. You carry our name. You carry our reputation. You know what one of the most dangerous things that we do as a church is? We give away bumper stickers with our church name on it for you to put on your car. <laughs> I'm only being a little sarcastic. We really love it. We're, we're glad that you get to be a part of it. But here's the reality now. Everywhere you drive and how you drive, everyone behind you is like, oh, that church. Right? Like, it's dangerous, y'all. That's what's called blind trust. Some would call it faith. I just call it a good prayer life at this point. It's all adding to the reputation of where we're going. Listen to how Jesus talks about this idea of names and reputations meaning something. Matthew chapter 5, verse 33 and 37, he said this. Again, you have heard that it was said that to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill, the, but fulfill to the Lord the vow you have made. But I tell you, don't swear an oath at all. Either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, because it's just his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, or, or in other words, by some great nation state. Don't swear by that. And do not swear by your own head, because you can't make one hair white, or one hair black, or one hair grow back, right? Like You just can't do it, he says. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. In other words, he's saying, how about you just live out your reputation in a way that when you say yes, it's enough because you said it. And when you say no, it's enough. You don't have to swear. Well, I swear on my mother's grave and I swear on this thing and cross my heart, hope to die. Like, no, take backsies, right? Like, none of, you don't need to do none of that because your word is part of your reputation, and your reputation has preceded you to the point that when you say it, people can trust it. Friends, this is what God is saying when he says, don't take my name in vain. Don't take it in a way that causes other people to not trust in who I am because they see your life. You are the reputation of heaven. He says in the command, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. What does that word vain mean? 
The word vain is the word shav in Hebrew, S-H-A-W-V. Here's what it means. It means inconsequential, futile, worthless, valueless. It means vain or for show, but not having substance. And I know as it's sitting here, some of you are thinking, wait a second, I thought taking the name of the Lord in vain meant not saying certain words. Beep. I thought taking the Lord's name meant not saying the word God right before I describe a water holder backer thing. That's smart people humor. Some of you will catch on to that in a little bit. I thought that's what it meant. One commentator says it like this. Taking the name in vain is to treat it as empty, meaningless, and false. Why? Because the name isn't just the name. The name is also the reputation. Are we catching this? He goes on to say, traditional understanding is that using God's name in duress or out of anger or out of excitement even. OMG. Excitement. But he goes on to say, Perjury, which is falsely swearing by God. Blasphemy, cursing God. Heresy, attributing falsehood to God. Or even evil deeds, sinful presumption and hypocrisy are all serious ways we take his name in vain. It just equated hypocrisy in the context of taking the name of the Lord in vain. A.W. Tozer said it like this. Modern Christians don't tell lies. They just sing them. He means that singing songs of praise about and to God while not actually loving him with your heart, soul, mind, and strength is taking his name in vain. I believe that God is less concerned with when you exclaim, oh my goodness. And he's way more concerned with you saying, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, oh, you're so wonderful. Oh, how I love God. Oh, how I love God. I can't believe that other person. Did you see what they said? I saw this and I'm, I'm posting this right now. I'm gonna tell everybody about this thing that I saw and I read and I was in the meeting and they said this and I'm just gonna... I think, I think God is less concerned with people who don't follow God acting like they don't follow God by using words that people who don't follow God use. I think he's less concerned with that and more concerned with the people of God who say they love God with their mouth but their heart is distancing from him and the practice of their life doesn't back up the words that they say with their mouth. I think when we treat God and our relationship with God as something that often is maybe worthless, or let me use another definition of vain, something that is meaningless, it's all smoke, as the, the, the writer of um, Ecclesiastes says. It's all meaningless, it's all pointless, it's all smoke, it's all a vapor. What's he saying? When we act like we've got a great show of Jesus, but our faith has no substance to it. 
for taking the name of the Lord in vain. We've made the name of our Lord. We've reduced it to something of show but no substance. Because we would rather hold on to our secret sins than repent of them as he's asked us to. We would rather win an argument of public discourse than stay silent and just actually trust that God is sovereign. As if he needs your help to convince people of something. Friends, I think it's time that we have to stop and take inventory. Are the things that we're talking about, posting about, are they distracting from the reputation of God and who he wants us to be? Or are they directing people to the true, amazing, wonderful identity and reputation of the gods whose name you have taken and claimed? Are you someone who has been found with authentic faith or are you? you one who is living with false advertising have you ever been to a restaurant and you look at the menu and you're looking through and if you're like me you like the pictures and you look at the pictures like oh that looks really good or you see the commercial and you're like oh my goodness that looks so good i need to order seven pizzas right now and then when you get the food it looks nothing like the picture I mean, it's close, but it's not like anything close to it. You're like, that doesn't look nearly as good as what I saw in the picture. I say false advertising. Friends, do you realize that you and I are the people of God? We are the PR of heaven. We're the PR of heaven. We're it. Our commitment to loving God helps people realize if God is worthy of any commitment at all. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Jesus, uh, in, in Luke chapter 12, has an interesting um, kind of grouping of some thoughts that he shares. In Luke 12, verse 8, he says this. He says, I tell you, Whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will acknowledge before the angels of God. Friends, this is much more than like seeing the meme, if you love God, I bet you won't like and share it and pass it on to seven friends. Not quite what he's talking about. Verse 9. But whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before the angels of God. Verse 10, and everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when you are brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, don't worry about what you will say or how you will defend yourself. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Friends, we read verses like this, and we love verse 8, and we get verse 9, and verse 11 and 12 are awesome, but verse 10 is like a head-scratcher, isn't it? If you love Jesus, if you speak evil against Jesus, it's fine. But if you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, nope. 
What in the world? First, let me define the word blaspheme. It means to slander and revile. To slander and revile. So as we look at the context of what he's talking, he's talking about being someone who represents God well, not in a way of shrinking back, but in a, in a strong stance of faith. He's talking about whenever you stand or come accused about, do you follow Jesus? Do you believe that Jesus is this? Or are you really living your life as somebody of the way of God? I mean, everyone in the world is gonna tell you to shout, to get angry, to make sure you tell people what you think because heaven forbid they don't know your opinion because your opinion by God is all that we need. But we get to this place where he says, I'll give you the right words to say. You don't need to worry about that. The Holy Spirit will give you words. And then right in the middle, we get this really, that really interesting thing. So what was Jesus trying to say? There are a few things that I think are helpful for us to understand. Number one, Jesus could have been speaking literally. He could have been being very matter-of-fact, speaking slanderous words against the person of the Holy Spirit and his work is not forgivable. If, that's, if Jesus was speaking literal, there are a lot of people kind of in trouble. If he was talking literally and refer- referencing the idea that the work of the Holy Spirit is to draw us to repentance and we speak against the need to repent and we speak against the work of the Holy Spirit and we never repent and turn our life to Jesus and then we die, that's unforgivable? Well, that's true. As long as there's breath in your lungs, you can repent and make Jesus your Lord. That's the only way to heaven. Only way to God. Only way to experience the eternity of, of heaven. That's what he's saying. That's the starting block of it all. That would be true. That, that literally would be a literal way of reading that and, and, and we would understand it that way. Uh, scholars think that maybe he was speaking with a little hyperbole, a little exaggerative speech in this one sentence, trying to get us to understand the importance of living authentically. And they, they say things like, uh, if, if maybe it would, that one verse, because he says, if you speak ill against Jesus, uh, you can be forgiven, but if you speak blaspheming against the Holy Spirit, that's unforgivable. Maybe he was saying something of a modern equivalent to speak ill of me, that's fine. If you speak bad to my wife, I will hit you so hard your mama's going to feel it. Little exaggerative, hard to take that one literally. That's a possibility. He could have been emphasizing something to make a point. It's possible. But I wonder if maybe he was reframing Deuteronomy 5 verse 11 for us. I wonder if he was kind of packaging this understanding of it's more than just taking a name, but representing the name that matters. It's more than just saying a name, but how we live that reveals a faith in the name that matters. I wonder if he was reframing Deuteronomy 5, and he was saying, don't take God's name for show and have no substance to your life of faith, which only can happen through the work of the Spirit. I wonder if it was this understanding that says, if you're going to claim Christ as your Lord, 
let's make sure that we're not giving false advertisement as to who the Lord is. Healthy relationship with the Lord equates to healthy relationships with other people. Pastor, I understand what maybe God was saying as to the importance of his name and why we shouldn't use it and take his reputation and his identity and drag it through the mud. I get that. But what does that have to do with other people? When it comes to practicing hospitality, I want you not to miss this. When how we live is congruent with a true reflection of God's identity and reputation, others will see God for who He is too. Listen, people are drawing their conclusion about God, about Christ, about Christianity. People are drawing their conclusions from us. God always has chosen to reveal Himself often through His people. The story of the Old Testament is the story of God lived out through a people of God, through generations. God was known, listen, as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. People! Well, Abe's God? You're talking about Abraham's God? Abe's God? Well, I saw how Abe's life looked. What was Abe known for again? God must be like that. It's the God of Abraham. I'm looking at Abraham's life and be like, all right, he's a God who makes promises. I like that God. When you read through places like Hebrews 11, and it names all of these different people who lived a life of faith, honoring the name of the Lord their God, not taking it in vain, not making it worthless or cheap, or, or commonplace, not making, no, no, they live their life with such strong faith. People, when you read through Hebrews 11, you'll begin to discover something about God because of the people who took the name of the Lord their God in the right way. I wonder if people are sitting back saying, man, God really must be critical because so-and-so is really critical and they claim to be a follower of God. I wonder if people are sitting back saying, man, God must be sarcastic because Pastor Matthew is really sarcastic. I wonder if people are saying Christians are, are liars because so-and-so lied to me. Christians are cheap and because I, this person never tips well and they don't pay their bill on time and they don't. What's the reputation we're giving our God? It should align with his actual reputation. We can't do it on our own. We need the grace of God. And this is why Jesus comes and he gives us the Holy Spirit to live it out. But friends, make no mistake, that doesn't get us off the hook for actually living a life that accurately represents the God we claim to serve and follow. And when we live it well, when we take his name to heart and we live it out, other people will learn of the identity and the reputation of God Almighty through you and through me. I want to challenge you to do something this week. Two things. Number one, read through Hebrews 11. 
great way to practice the way of Jesus this week is just read through Hebrews 11 and look at the different people. This legacy of faith, people who lived out and made God famous for something. Number two, learn someone's name at church. Learn their name. Don't just settle for a familiar hello, I've seen your face before. Learn their name and ask about their story. How did they get here? How long have they lived here? Where have they come from? What about their family? Get to know their story and their name. That's one way we can begin to practice hospitality, isn't it? Because names are important. Names bring identity and reputation. So get to know someone's name and hear their story. Real practical. It's too easy to be familiar knowing about someone and never get to know them personally. Friends, I have a question for you in this room and those watching online. Have you heard about God? Maybe you even know some things about God. Maybe you presuppose some things about God. But do you know God personally? Today you can. By repenting and acknowledging that Jesus is Savior, Lord, and God, and the only way to the Father. Would you stand with me as we come to the Lord's table? If you're in the room, go ahead and pull out the communion elements, and you can open them up and just hold them in your hand. If you're at home, hopefully you've got something nearby. If not, just sit, sit for a moment with us. the end of the day, here's, here's really what I want to say today. God's name doesn't change. His identity and his reputation are intact and are true. And while God's name doesn't change, knowing him can change you. And it can change your identity too. It can change your reputation too. He can make you new. What a beautiful name that is, the name of Jesus. Would you close your eyes just for a second? Just search, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? Where am I living up to your reputation? Where am I distracting from it? Lord, it's your name that I want to live out. It's your name I want to live out. What a beautiful What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name. What a beautiful name it is. Holy are you, God. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. You're my King. What a beautiful name it is. Yes. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus.
Father, there is no other name under which we can be saved but by the name of Jesus. Lord, for those of us who are followers of you, we recognize the name of Jesus that has power in our lives. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you continue to transform our hearts, change our attitudes, our actions day in and day out so that we represent your name well. Lord, help us get to know your identity so that our relationship with you can flourish all the more. Lord, we thank you for sending Jesus who died on the cross, whose body was broken, represented by this bread, whose blood was poured out, represented by this juice, which forgives our sins. Sins like living, taking your name in vain. Lord, that's a sin that you forgive. So Lord, help us to receive that forgiveness today as we acknowledge and repent in our own hearts. Thank you, Jesus. Let's take the bread this morning. Now the juice. If you can just hold on to those here in a minute, you can throw them out on your way out. Our host will collect those as you leave. Father, we thank you for this name, this name of Jesus, the, the name that's above every name, the, the name you give us when you bring us into your family, adopted sons and daughters, kids in your house. Father, may the words of our mouth, may the meditations of our heart, may they be pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. We ask these things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.